0: Hey sisters, I am so excited to share this testimony with you today. Um, sometimes I feel a little bit like a stalker when it comes to finding people <laughs> to interview or to, t- to share their testimony, but um, I found this group called Proverbs 31 Women and um, Chelsea actually started the group and she just posts daily um, Bible verses and Um, devotionals and stuff that she's reading things that she's studying and it's just really been inspirational and I I saw a little clip of her um, sharing her testimony and I knew that I wanted to interview her and hear more and just hear more about how how God did it you know what what all he did in her life so I'm excited um, for you guys to hear this today get your tissues ready Thank you so much for Chelsea. Thank you for her boldness and her courage that you've instilled within her Lord to speak your truth to proclaim your gospel and to call things out for what they are. We just thank you so much for the things that you've brought her through Lord, and that you are using her as a vessel for your kingdom. And we just thank you so much for that. We thank you that we get to sit down and talk to each other. We thank you for fellowship with um, your children, Lord. And we just ask that you would move through her, Holy Spirit, rise up within her and give her even more of that boldness and courage to to share what you've done and and the transformation that you've made in her life and in her heart, Lord. We just thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So I've been following you for fa- I've been following you on Facebook for a little bit and um I just I love that you're just speaking truth and it's sometimes really hard and sometimes it could be a little easier, you know, behind a keyboard, but then it's like then you you walk into the world and and the world is so evil, you know? Just being able to to stand up and be like that's wrong or that that's evil. <laughs> like I just think that's so so big. So that makes me excited to talk to you. And I also saw that you, I'm just going to shut up. Why do <laughs> no, just introduce yourself?
1: Um, okay, well, Um. my name is Chelsea Gomez. I am from Northern Illinois, raised, born and raised um, in the Midwest. I am married. I have five kids. Well, we have five kids. We're a blended family. My husband has two, and then we have three together. My oldest uh, actually has a different father my husband adopted him so we're really blended (laughs) um but yeah we live in Roscoe Illinois and um my husband works full-time he's a car salesman and I am a stay-at-home mom I am homeschooling taking care of the kids um homemaker (laughs) yeah that's about it um how long have you guys been together we got together uh we got together in 2013 And then we were kind of on and off and then we got married in 2015 so we just had our i think eight year anniversary yeah yeah Yeah. thank you congratulations yes did you grow Um, up going to church when i was little my family and i went to a baptist church in rockford illinois and then my parents actually split up when i was in fourth grade and so i started going to like a non-denominational church with my mom and then my dad, but it was two separate churches. And then um, eventually we ended up going to a few different Christian churches, but I I wouldn't say that I was like really raised in a, um, like a super religious or super Christian home. You know, we went to church on Sundays and that was about it. (laughs) So that was kind of the influence. I mean, the most influence I had was actually going into the
0: church. And I know that you had mentioned in basically in some of your Facebook posts that you had struggled with addiction. Would you mind speaking into that? Um, that Like I said,
1: I was raised in Northern Illinois by both of my parents and then they were divorced when I was in fourth grade. And then by the time I turned 19, 19 i actually went down to florida and i was living in florida with my cousin and his wife and um, my goal was to go to medical school i was going to go to um, a program at um, ultimate medical academy in clearwater for being a medical assistant and so i got down there i enrolled i started going um, to school and uh, unfortunately well not unfortunately i don't want to say that Everything happened for a reason, but I ended up with the wrong crowd, and, um, I started going out, um, to the beach, and I met a lot of locals that lived around that area, and just really got enthralled in the wrong crowd. Um, I was not going to church at this time, I was not, um, reading my Bible, I was not really considering God at all in anything, um, and so... I ended up dating a guy that I didn't know had a drug dependence. And um, that came, you know, actually the first time that I did drugs was not on purpose. It was an accident. He supposedly was supposed to be giving me something else, and it ended up being oxycodone, and I just, I didn't like it. And then he said, well, if you try it again, it'll not be so bad. Um, if you do less and so that was kind of where mm. my life started to fall apart um, in Florida and he ended up getting in trouble and had to go um, out of state he was under probation in a different area and then I ended up with um, actually the biological father of my oldest son and he was full-blown drug addict that, and I had no idea I was very naive like I said, I w- I grew up in a small town. I grew up going to church. Um, while we weren't like a true devout Christian family, I still was raised in that environment, you know, and, um, didn't really know yeah, what this life looked like. This was the first time I had really been exposed to anything like that. Um, so I quickly kind of spiraled down with it and, um, I also wanted to mention my father, um, has, him and I are no longer, um, really having a relationship. He's a narcissist, and so there was a lot of, um, things that took place in my childhood that I think created some, um, self-esteem, self-confidence issues in me, where when I started experiencing Um, you know, men, other men showing interest in me and wanting to love me and things like that, even though it was very toxic. I was still very blinded by, you know, the desire and the need to feel loved and accepted. And so that played a huge part in my spiral. Um, And I didn't realize that until much further down the road, um, that that was really what was playing such a huge role in my life, and, um, so with that, I, I, um, I really just really fell into drugs hard at that point, and, um, it was mostly pain pills, and then it slowly went into heroin, and, um, it was awful, and I won't go into it, um, super deep, but basically, um, we lived on the beach, we were homeless, um, we were junkies. I mean, it was the junkie life, you know? So, but it did come to a point where in my addiction, I was never happy. Um, And I will say too, I was, I was actually saved when I was seven years old. My dad was a Christian when I was little and he actually helped me say the prayer and asked the Holy Spirit, asked Jesus into my life. And so I believe that Jesus was obviously there with me all the time. He never left me, and that became apparent to me later yeah. on, too. Um, but there was a, a point where I had really reached a bottom. We were living in a garage. We had nothing. Um, we ha- I didn't know when my next meal was going to be, and I was miserable. I hated it. But just the simple fact that I wasn't happy in that life, I wasn't comfortable, you know, with the daily grind of searching for the next fix. That wasn't what I had planned for myself. Um, and I knew I didn't belong there. And there were even people there that would tell me, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. And people saw that in me, you know? And, um, Mm -hmm. and I knew that I was just very wrapped up in this man that I was with who knew how to, you know, manipulate me to where he could use what I had to offer and um, it just was a very toxic situation so anyway came to that point where I was at rock bottom and um, I was in that garage that we were living in and I looked around me and I just remember there was a table in the garage and there were spoons and there were needles and we had nothing I had nothing and everything I had worked for up to that point was gone I had dropped out of school. I held a job but I was a waitress and I would not show up to work I would go to work and get in fights with people I was throwing dishes in the kitchen I mean it was just I knew that I was going nowhere and I would eventually probably die so I got down on my knees in that garage and I was just like what am I doing I don't know I don't know what I'm doing and I prayed and I said God please help me, except it was much more desperate than that. <laughs> I, was, I was at my end with it, and yeah. I just, I basically cried out to him and said, please help me out of this. I need you. Please help me. And that was when, I mean, I've never seen the hand of God work the way that he did for me. And I didn't know it at the time, but later on in my recovery, as I started to reflect on that time of my life, I saw, wow, He was there. He was in me. He was convicting me. He was, he was leading me. He was um, leading me to different people who I later was going to need. And um, yeah, he, he really started to work. So do you want me to start talking about that process? Or do you have other questions?
0: Okay, no, I'm Yeah, I want to hear it. I just relate so much to you. And like, my last day drinking I was in a garage and then I you know I got down on my knees and I'm you know God please save me for myself so it's just like I just see I see like myself in your story you know what I mean just relate so much to you okay (laughs) so I want to hear about it um
1: yeah so basically there was a church on the beach that I would go to frequently for food um we would go they would do a um a food drive and they would do um, like a pantry. They had a pantry certain times of the month and we would go get food. And um, I was actually down there at one point getting food and I they asked if I wanted to go on a list. This was a while back before all this happened. They asked if I wanted to go on a list for um, a bicycle because I had at this point sold my car and didn't have a way around. I mean, on the beach there were ways of getting around, but I didn't have a vehicle and so it would have helped to have a bike. Um so I said, "Yeah, yeah, I want to go on that." And um I at this point after I had prayed, I, I always say God led me to that church because I got a call from the church that my bike was ready. And so I went down there, and instead of taking the bike, I asked them if they would pay for me to go home because I'm like, I'm not from here. I'm from the Midwest. I I need to go home. I'm not in a good situation here. This is not good for me. I just really need to go. And they agreed to pay for my bus ticket. Um, and now at the time, I was still very wrapped up in my, um, my significant other at the time. He was... I was very, very much in a mental state of feeling like I needed him. Like I couldn't live life without him. And I hadn't really realized yet that he was probably the main culprit (laughs) um, of what kind of kept me stuck in that, you know? And um, so anyway, I called my mom and I said, I'm coming home. She knew that I was doing drugs. My dad knew, everyone knew. Um, And I called her and I said, you know, this church paid for my bus ticket, I want to come home, and she was like, awesome, and I said, but I'm not coming unless you guys let him come with me, and um, so she goes, oh, man, I don't know, because she knew, you know, that he was the problem, and um, not that he was the only problem, I mean, obviously, I made choices to put myself there, but they knew I needed to get away from him, so, but she talked to my stepdad, and um, my stepdad told her, if that's what gets her home, you know, let's do it. We'll figure it out. And so we went to it that that church wasn't going to pay for two bus tickets. So they referred us to another church and they actually paid for his bus ticket. Um, and so we got on the bus. We came home up here to Illinois. My mom met us at the bus station. Um, we stayed with my mom and my stepdad. And, um, And we got cleaned up. We went through withdrawals. Um, we didn't go to rehab or anything. We just did it there. And, um, I ended up, it was like weeks after not using and I wasn't getting my energy back. I was like still feeling very lethargic. Um, we actually had found out that we, um, were pregnant and I, knew that my, my energy wasn't there, I'm like, something's wrong, I just feel off, and then I missed my period, so I took a test, and I was pregnant, and, um, I went to the doctor, and they did a whole, you know, panel on me to check all my levels and everything, and they found out that I had hepatitis C, um, and so obviously, he had it too, um, my significant other, and so, you know, I knew that I was gonna have to go through treatment for that, and that I couldn't do it while I was pregnant, so anyway, Um, I was pregnant and he was there with me and then he just wasn't, he just wasn't, he wasn't wanting to stay sober is what I think was going on. He wouldn't admit that, but he ended up going back down to Florida for a job opportunity and, um, he relapsed, I mean, immediately. So right before I was going to be having my child, I got a tax return because I had a job at this point and I paid for him to come back up for I paid for his plane ticket to come back and um, because I'm like I'm gonna have this baby you need to be here and you need to get cleaned up like you can't you gotta choose you know I was like you have to choose and um, so he came back up but as soon as he came back up and I don't know how this happened because we lived in such a small town but he ended up finding and meeting someone in the small town of Stillman Valley that dealt heroin. And it was tragic when that happened because I was like, oh my goodness, like who would have thought he'd find that here? And so he was doing heroin and um, he was high while I was in delivery. I mean, it was just awful. And then after I had the baby, I relapsed because it was right there. And um, we ended up having a blowout fight with my mom and stepdad We took the baby, we left, Um, we went back down to Florida, my mom called DCFS on me, of course, what mom wouldn't, you know, and um, at the time when we first got down there, I actually quit using when I got there, because I didn't want to do that anymore, but every time it was there, it was like I couldn't, it was like such a temptation for me to stay away from it, especially when I had people around me that were coaxing me into it, you know, they were trying to talk me into doing it, like it's okay, just one time, you know, and then before you know it, I'm back into it, well, when we got back down to Florida, I was staying with his mom, with, with the baby, and I stopped using, but he was, he had this job where he'd have to go out of town for a week at a time, and then he'd come back. So while he was gone, I was just staying home with his mom and taking care of the baby, and I wasn't using. Then as soon as he'd come back, we would go out to the beach together to have a beach day, and then it would end up, we'd be in someone's apartment, and it's happening again. And so that continued on for a while. Um, I ended up moving in with his aunt. I stayed with his aunt for a while, Um, just to have a place to stay. His mom didn't have the room for us. So we went and stayed with her. And then, um, that the using continued. I just, I couldn't say no when I was with him. And, um, his aunt ended up seeing that I was leaving to go see her nephew who she knew was still using. And then I would come home and she would know that I had used. And so she said, listen, you can't do that here. If you, you know, I don't, she's like, cause she wouldn't let him stay there with me. She only would let me and the baby stay because she knew he was using. She's like, I'm willing to let you stay here, but you have to be sober. I won't even let my own nephew live here because of his drug use. So if that's what you're going to do, you can't stay here. Well, I ended up leaving um, and we were staying in a, hot- in a motel, just a real rundown motel. And um, it was terrible. And we just continued using, um, and then the very last night that I saw the father of my son, um, there was a group of people in our motel room and everyone was doing drugs. My baby was there. Um, he was sleeping in his bath, in our, uh, pack and play and, uh, everyone around us was getting high. Well, there was one person that was there who the rest of us were planning on jumping that person. Well, not me, but everyone else was planning on... I knew what they were planning to jump this person and take all of their drugs because this person owed people money and all kinds of stuff. So they were planning on jumping him. Well, they actually did it, and the baby was there, who, by the way, slept through everything. That poor kid was exposed to so much, and um, it was just almost like he didn't even notice it was going on. But... Um, anyway, that happened, and then we kept, we told everyone to leave, because we didn't want the cops getting called, Um, uh, but then me and my son's biological father ended up getting in a really nasty fight, it got physical, he had, was dragging me around by my hair, I mean, it got really bad, um, and then I had this huge gash on my calf, and I had blood all over me, and, uh, I ended up chasing him out of the motel room but he had my cell phone so I left the baby in the motel room chased him down the road because I needed my phone Mm -hmm. and um he took it well then he also had the baby's pacifier so I was like just trying to get this stuff back from him and he ran out into the street and took my phone and threw the pacifier at me and then i couldn't catch him obviously the baby i had to go back to the baby so i went back um but the na- there, we were in a motel so there were people very close i mean there were a whole chain of people staying right around us you know and they knew we had a baby so of course someone called yeah. the police police came after he had left i told them what happened and then um they filed a report, but of course they notified DCFS. So the next morning um, I was in the bed sleeping with the baby, DCFS knocked on the door and um, the lady came in and she said, you know why I'm here, Chelsea? And I said, yes, I do. And um, she said, okay, well, I need you to take this drug test. And um, sorry, she said, I need you to take this drug test and see how we're doing and I said okay so I took the test and of course I failed at this point I had not just done heroin I had done a variety of different drugs um I mean crack cocaine you name it it was in my system and so you could imagine how much worse it looked on me than it did previously and um she she said okay well Uh, I don't remember everything that she said. I just remember she went and picked up my baby, and she's going to take him. And um, I just remember thinking, if she takes him, I'm going to be stuck here. Because if she takes him, most likely he's going to go to the closest family member here, which is, you know, his father's mom, his grandma, who was there. And um, if that happens, I'm trapped. Then I'm going to have to stay here. And I'm going to have to try to get him back. And um, I just remember pleading with her, please let me call my dad. Please let me call my parents. I said, I just need to get away from him. But if if you take him, I'm trapped and I can't get away. And I said, if I can go home, I can get cleaned up and I can be a mom. Just can you please let me, like, what can we do? Can we just please, please, please. I remember pleading with her, just begging her. I was so frantic, I'm like, please don't take him, seeing her holding him was just, like, shattering, I'm like, what have I been doing, you know, I don't want this life, I want to be a mom, and the whole time, I was trying to get the dad to choose us, like, I was trying to, while I'm failing at staying sober, I'm trying to plead with him to choose us because I would keep telling him like, see, this is, we can't keep doing this for him. This is not good for him. We have to be good parents. And, and he, it was like, he just didn't really want that. And he kept choosing that life. And I was heartbroken because I wanted him to choose being a father and, and a husband and a provider. And, um, the more that he didn't choose that, the The more hurt I got and the more desperate and frantic I was to trying to please him enough that maybe he would somehow choose to come back to sober up again and to try again. And I had to come to terms with the fact that it just wasn't going to happen. My time was up and I had to make a choice. And so I just begged her and um, she actually called my dad and this is really where The hand of God was so apparent. Sorry, I'm trying not to get emotional. She called my dad. And she told him that she had my son in her arms. And I'm sorry. And my dad said, let me talk to her. And uh, I got on the phone with him and he just reamed me a new one. (laughs) He was like what are you doing, you know, and he, he said, let me talk to the, the lady, and so I gave her the phone, and he told her, if you need to take that baby, you take him, you choose what's best, he said, "Um, but, you know, if you choose to let them come up here, I'll, I'll take her, I'll pay for her ticket and stuff, and he said, but you choose, you see her, I don't, and I don't know like this woman by all rights she could have probably lost her job. But she saw something and I know that was God. And she chose to give me another chance and I I wish with everything in me that I could find her and tell her thank you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was trying not to get so emotional. Sorry. But, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> She, she hung up the phone with him, and she had a talk with me, and she just said, like, your dad is willing to take you back, or he's willing to let you come home. He said, but, she said, um, if you go up there, I'm going to check on you. I need to know that you're in recovery. I have to see that you're serious, like what you're telling me. I got to see that you you know, you are really serious about this, that you want to clean up, and she goes, I want to see you in meetings, I want to see you in some type of recovery, I want to see you taking this seriously, and I said, okay, I will, I promise you have my word, I don't want this anymore, well, while her and I were talking, my dad called my aunt, because my aunt lived in Florida too, but she lived two hours away in uh, Fort Myers, and um it just so happened that not by chance but simply because god is so good she was there in st petersburg where i was at and um because when i first moved down there i was living with Mm -hmm. my cousin and they had a daughter um who was in a ballet recital and so my aunt just so happened to be there for my little cousin's ballet recital. So my dad called her and said, you know, Chelsea's in trouble. She, I'm wondering if, what, what would it take for you to be able to go pick her up um, so that we can get her a bus ticket and get her home? And she was like, "Jody, it's my dad. She said, I'm in St. Pete. I'm literally where she's at. And my dad was like, wow, okay, so what would it take for you to go pick her up? She's like, as soon as this recital's over, I'll go get her. And so my dad called the officer back and said, my sister will be there um, within the next hour or two um, to pick her up. And then we'll get her a bus ticket and we'll get her home. But I don't want her to stay there. Um, and the, the, the officer decided to let me go. And um, she had my dad's phone number and stuff. And she was in con- close contact with him the first couple months that I was home. But I went and stayed with my aunt and my aunt's a nurse, so she, um, was very, very, um, care, she was very, like, uh, one of my observant, she was watching me be a mom, like, she was just really feeling me out to see if I really wanted this, and, um, so she actually, she's like, I'm very impressed, Chelsea, that you're, you know, you're a good mom, it comes natural to you, and all that, so she was really just trying to lift me up, and, um encouraged me and all that, and uh that i stayed we stayed with her for a couple of days, me and my son, and um then we got in the bus, and it was a long treacherous bus ride with a baby. It was like two days um on a bus, a public bus um with him and uh so we did that, and we came home and um i trying to remember if I, I think I stayed with my dad for a little while and then I ended up going back with my mom. And, um, I did, I got meetings. I, um, I was going to like four or five different meetings. I was going to a church up here. They had a recovery program, um, called Celebrating Recovery. I was going to that. I got, um, I got involved in several different meetings, like AA and NA meetings, um, and, um, I was really, I was doing it, I, I had about six months clean, I had a boyfriend who was also in recovery, I was going back to church, I was really trying my best, and, um, the officer did touch base, she did check on me, and she saw that I was doing everything I told her, and eventually she stopped reaching out, um, but I... I did get to a point where I relapsed, and that was about six months after I got home. And uh, at that point, I realized, okay, it's much more than just getting over the withdrawals. Because before, I thought, well, once I get clean, once I get through the withdrawals, it'll just be over. I'll be good, you know. And at that point, I realized, like, recovery is much more than just getting through the withdrawals, you know. And, uh, I said, this is not working for me. I got to do something else. (laughs) So I, um, I went to my favorite meeting, my home, uh, recovery group. It was called, uh, how, and, um, I went and told on myself basically on my relapse and I told everyone that I messed up and, um, that I was back at day one and everyone was so gracious with me and, and so understanding and, um. The one, there was one woman in the group that came to me after the meeting, and she said, um, "I'm really proud of you for, you know, hold, being being accountable and, and admitting that, and allowing us to help you maintain sobriety and hold you accountable." And she said, "But I did want to tell you, um, I live in a recovery home, and in our recovery home, they have family units that allow for like a mom and a child to stay." And she said, there's one available right now. And uh, she said, those never come available. She's like, they're always full. And she's like, I can't even believe it's open. She's like, but I believe that it's for you. And uh, I was like, wow. She goes, you have to apply. And you have to have 30 days clean to get in. Um, But call Monica. She told me, Monica, the house manager, whatever, call her and get your application in. So... I did, I went the next day, I applied, I talked to Monica on the phone, and, uh, like, the hand, like, God was literally, like, just carrying me, you know, like, through every step, and, um, I got in, I went, me and my son moved into the recovery home, um, I had gotten a restraining order against his dad because... I had to stay away from him. I, I couldn't talk to him. I couldn't have that influence. Like I really wanted to be clean and I needed, I knew at that point I was like, I can't have anything to do with him. I just have to be done. And, um, so we moved into the recovery home. Um, and this was the very first time since my son was born that I was an independent mom. And, you know, him and I bonded and I hadn't been a good mom to him before that I I let so much toxicity and and awful things around him just the music and and things that I listened to and I was never really I just would kind of hand them off to my mom and I would go do my thing and so this part of my life was crucial because it put me in a position where I had to be responsible and I had a human life that I had to care for And there was no one there to pick up responsibility for me. There was no one there to make him meals. There was no one there to babysit him so I could go. I had to be his mom. And that was, like, just, it was such a life-changing experience for me and my son. Really, we really bonded. And it was amazing. It was amazing. So I was there. We were there for seven months. Uh, When I moved there, I was a manager at McDonald's, um, but I ended up getting another job at a pharmaceutical packaging company where I met my husband. Um, And like you, my husband, if I hadn't met him, I don't know where I would be. He he introduced me to God in a brand new way. I met him at, at my job. And um, one day, I was, like, attracted to him, and I would smile at him from across the plant and stuff, but my husband is, like, very bold, and he's not scared, and he's very confident, and so one day, he just, like, walked up to me randomly, (laughs) and I was, like, freaking out, and uh, he was like, hey, how are you, What's, what's, you know, what's your name, blah, 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 and we started talking, and I literally just spewed my whole life out to him and told him, everything that I was going through, everything I got just recently had gotten out of. And I mean, I feel like any other man who, you know, I don't know, any other man would probably be like, okay, like, I don't know if I want anything to do with that. But he was like, all about it, like ready to jump yeah. in and walk it with me. And I, I'm like, I'm living in a recovery home, like all this stuff. And he just... It was like that was it for him, and he um, he asked me out, and we went out on a date and stuff, and um, couple, and then we kind of got together with our kids together, and I was still living at the recovery home and stuff, and uh, and then um, I ended up moving out of the recovery home and moved in with him, and this was before I really had really like gotten really close with God, so you know, like, the premarital sex and premarital living together and all of that was something that was still not really, like, I knew it was wrong, but I wasn't totally sold, sold on it yet, you know, and, um, so that was one of the things I think we could have done better, but anyway, that's how it went, that's how it played out, and, uh, what we were going, we started going to a church that, I that at that church I really started to learn how to read the Bible. I learned how to pray. I learned spiritual warfare. I learned that we have a, an adversary. We have a, a very real enemy who seeks to steal, kill and destroy and that all warfare all where warfare in our lives is because of him and how to combat him, how to fight him. And I learned that I didn't have to be a prisoner of addiction for the rest of my life. I learned that deliverance is a possible thing for God's people. And, you know, I learned that we're covenant people and that we don't have to be bound to chains of anything in our lives. And there is freedom. There is redemption. And so that was really the foundation that God laid at that part in my life where he introduced himself to me in a new way. And um, I I started to seek him and stuff, and um, my husband and I did end up breaking up at one point um, for a short time, and I kind of still struggled. I didn't go back to drugs, but I did drink and stuff, and uh, I had gotten my own apartment, and then actually after I had kind of spiraled out with that for a couple months, I was kind of brought myself back into alignment with God again and, um, had to repent and ask God to forgive me. And of course he's so gracious that he was just so forgiving. And I started going back to church again, um, a different church. And, um, I, my brother and I, um, we were going to go to a newsboys concert. I don't know if you've heard of newsboys. I'm sure you have. Uh, but we were going to a newsboys (laughs) concert at a local church and um lo and behold my husband was there (laughs) and um I was like oh my goodness and actually right before that my husband had texted me and said happy birthday and he wasn't my husband yet Um, his name is Al he had texted me and said happy birthday and uh then yeah we ran into him at the concert and he had brought another girl there with him um his daughter was there so it was very awkward but um we ended up talking again after that, and I, right before that happened though, I had started to realize who, who he was, and that he really cared about me, and he really loved me, because it was very unusual for me, and, and I say this because I know that there's probably other women who have suffered from some type of narcissistic abuse, or sexual abuse, or any kind of abuse, that when that happens to them, they their self confidence and their self worth is crushed, and you know it's really hard to come back from that and to know that you have value and you have worth, and that you don't have to settle for yeah. a specific type of person. That when God gives you a person, it's not always exactly what you would pick out for yourself, but that that person is who's best for you, and that they're going to help you prosper, and they're going to help you grow in the Lord, and I never knew that at the time. Um, It was very foreign to me, because my husband was a really good man, and he was, he loved God, and he served at the church, and he was so patient with me during, because you know, in recovery, your emotions are so everywhere. Not only was I recovering from addiction, but I was I was recovering from deep hurts, my heart was broken, I was very, very angry, I would have these angry outbursts, and um, I would throw things, and I was just, I was still so broken, and my husband was so patient with me through all of that, and he would, he wouldn't get mad at me, he would just, he would pray with me, or he would hug me, or, I mean, we did fight, don't get me wrong, but... um he was just very, very kind <laughs> and patient, and there was literally no other person that would have been that way for me, because he was who God wanted to be there with me, and, um, when I broke up with him, I, I started to realize that what I had thrown away, and, um, I was feeling bad about it, and so then when we saw each other at the concert, it was, it was, like, really refreshing to see him, and, um, So when we got back together, um, we had gotten married in 2015 and then we had my second son. Um, He is seven now and um, so then we started to really blend and then right before that he adopted um, my oldest son whose father was in Florida. Mm -hmm. Um, um, So yeah, it, it was really amazing once we got married and everything started to you know, play out that way, and, um, I think the most amazing part of it is now that God has walked me through that and helped me out of it and placed me in a family with a husband who cares so deeply for me, and he kind of laid that foundation, like I said, where he had introduced himself to me in a new way and then place me with a man who would lead me to God before to himself and who would lead me in prayer before leading me to anything else that was what I needed to help rebuild my self-esteem my confidence my my confidence in God you know that foundation was never there for me I never really knew God in that way ever um and so that was that was a necessity for me to grow in God and to um, develop as a woman and a mom and a wife. And so, you know, moving forward, we have gone through many trials, you know, um, but God is so good and he's so faithful. And one of the things that I ended up finding out Mm -hmm. that I had was um, genital herpes. I had HPV and genital herpes and um at that church that we were going to i experienced miraculous healing from that and i think that was the first time that god became very very real to me um you know he was always it was god it was jesus it was just that it was always talked to about it was always something that i talked about or that i learned about or i heard about but i had never witnessed him or experienced him in a very real way, until he touched me and he healed me, and um, that was absolutely life-changing. I was at the church. There was uh, the pastor was talking, and um, he announced. He said there is someone here, and this church was very, very uh, gifts of the spirit. I mean, they they walked in all the gifts of the spirit, um, prophecy and all that. And he said, there's someone here who um, has uh, a STD. He said, someone here has genital herpes and you're miserable. And actually in that moment, I was having a, a herpes outbreak and I, every time it would happen, it was like once a month and I would feel so disgusting and so filthy and I hated it. I would get depressed. It made my body hurt. I hated it. And um, I also had to have a elite procedure on my cervix where they had to take a bite a large amount of my cervix off um because I had HPV and it had caused cervical um cell or I'm sorry precancerous cells and so anyway when this man said that um he said you you feel ashamed of ask of coming for prayer because it's embarrassing and um I was like in my chair like what <laughs> like what and um he goes, Who, whoever this person yeah. is, you need to come up here right now, because God wants to lay his hands on you, and heal you, and I looked around, and I was like, it's not me, like, it can't be me, and no one else got up, and of course, the Holy Spirit was just pain, like, banging on my chest, I just knew, and I was, I was, like, shaking, because I was so scared, and I couldn't believe what was happening, so anyway, I walked up there, and, um, I got up there and I was crying because I'm like, everyone's going to know. Everyone here knows now that I'm the one who has herpes. (laughs) Like that's so embarrassing. But he just reassured me. He was like, don't be embarrassed. Don't be scared. He was like, God is going to heal you. And I, there were several people around me who laid hands on me and they started praying. And that was the last herpes outbreak I had. It wasn't some miraculous thing where I just disappeared instantly. It was like It was miraculous because it never came back, but when it didn't come back, I was, I was like shocked, so I went to the doctor, and I had panels done, and um, lo and behold, it was gone. They couldn't find anything, and the lady even saw my, my medical history. She said, well, it says here you had herpes, and you had HPV, and she said, not only do you, do I not am i not seeing herpes um you know the virus, I don't remember the actual name for it, but she said, "Um, they did a pap smear, and she said, "Your cervix is one of the longest cervixes I've ever seen." <laughs> she was like, "I can't tell anything has been taken <laughs> off of there, and they had taken so much during that procedure that she was like, "You know you might have complications if you get pregnant in the future and um God is just so good, and he replaced that. He healed me of herpes, like, everything. He just cleared it, and I couldn't believe it. I was, like, it literally me and my husband were sitting in the doctor's office, like, praising God. Like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe it. And um, so that in itself is an incredible testimony of God's goodness and her, his forgiveness because I was – I didn't deserve that, you know. I didn't deserve – any of the things he did for me, and all through my addiction, I didn't deserve to have my creator forgive me and lead me to a man like I'm married to, or give me beautiful children to take care of, or um, let alone heal me of an incurable STD, you know? and. It was absolutely amazing and so from there God has taken me through a series of refinement and um, I've walked through fire I've I have come out just a little bit more pure every single time um, one of the things that I've really had to walk through is healing um, from some of the things I experienced with my father um, I just wanted to say, in case anyone hears this, who has experienced narcissism, um, that there is healing available to you for that, you know. Um, I had to come to a place where I would no longer no longer have contact with my father and it wasn't my choice. It was something that it just played out that way, where we weren't seeing things eye to eye, and we just decided to part ways with each other. And to me, when it first happened, I felt betrayed and I felt abandoned because he was the one man in my life that I grew up wanting acceptance from. He was the one that I strove my whole life to have his acceptance and his love and his affection, and I could never get that from him. And so when he parted ways with me, I felt like the ultimate betrayal. He was that one that I really just wanted acceptance from. And so when that happened, I was devastated. I was crushed. And um, anyway, through through walking through that, and this was in the last four years, um, God has done amazing things in my life and through me where I started to see. I didn't even realize my dad was a narcissist or that there was any abuse going on there. Um, but the separation with him was ended up being the best thing that could have ever happened to me, and not because I harbor any resentment or that I'm angry with him, but God taught me through that. God taught me what it means to forgive. He taught me what it means to love someone that hurt you. And he taught me what it means to pray and intercede for someone who doesn't want you or doesn't care about you, you know, and, and so that has been life-changing, and, and um, there's been a lot of growth through that as well, and, and just learning how to heal, learning how to find my identity in God, and not find my identity in my, and who my dad says I am, or who anyone says I am, you know, um, yeah, so it's really been just, I've been kind of like in this isolation, not isolation, but a season of my life where I've been home, I haven't been working. We have had some financial struggles. So we had to sell my husband's car. And so he has the van. I'm here with the kids. I have no way to leave. And I, I had found myself in this place of, um, it's just me and God. And I'm, I was finding myself in anguish because I was healing from this, you know? And, um, But me and God just, it it really became a a tight relationship where I was in a place where he was transforming me from the inside out. And so it's just led to a lot of growth. It's led to ministry, Proverbs 31 woman um, ministry that he kind of had me um, doing online. And um, it's just been, it's been a great season of growth. And I'm able to reflect on all of this now. And see the hand of God moving in my life, even when I wasn't living for him. And, you know, just like Paul said in Romans, that Jesus died for us while we were yet still sinners. And to think that, you know, when Jesus was up on the cross, that he was up there to forgive me for all of those things. (laughs) And you and everyone else that's going to hear this, that Jesus died, that he was murdered. And he died, but it wasn't because he didn't want to. He did. And he did it for, so that we could be forgiven from all of those things, you know, that we did that, that grieves him. You know, those things grieve the Holy Spirit. Living those, that life is grieving to him, and it saddens him, and he hates it. But he still died so that we could have the opportunity to repent and to ask for forgiveness, and to live and pursue righteousness, and, um, so, I mean, I just like that I can look back, and I can, as I was kind of writing out a list of the things I wanted to cover, it was just a good reminder, and I'm so grateful you asked me to do this, because it was such a great reminder to see all the things that God did, um, As I went through this process and as I will continue to walk through process, right? Because he promises to complete the work that he started in us until the day that Jesus returns. And so I can't wait to see what else he does and to continue to grow in him and to continue to be refined and um, to continue to pursue righteousness. And it says in Ecclesiastes chapter three that he has made everything beautiful in its time and I truly understand what that means now, and um, I'm just blessed, and I feel honored to be able to tell my testimony, and, um, but to be able to say that the real testimony is that God has given us eternal life, and that this life is in his son, Jesus, and it, that's what it says in 1 John 5:11. and so while I, I tell this, I don't, take any of the credit or accountability it's all him that the real true testimony of his is is of his goodness and his mercy that none of us deserve but he gives it freely and um so anyway (laughs) that was everything I kind of just went off so sorry about that but um yeah that was how everything (laughs) played out
0: so it's a
1: lot (laughs) That's so good. Mm. I'm just
0: overwhelmed <laughs> with just his grace, you know? And so thank you for being vulnerable and sharing that and, and all the yes, things. Yes, he is. He's just so good. Being plucked from the darkness and finally seeing the light, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good, it just makes me want to share about the love that I found in Christ and how accessible it is. He's everywhere, and he wants you to encounter him. I pray for every person listening to my voice that spiritual eyes will be opened to see him in all things, in Jesus' name. If you wouldn't mind sharing this podcast with a friend and leaving a review on wherever you're listening from, that can help spread the reach of this podcast into the nooks and crannies of the web. Until next time!